0: hello hello and welcome Oh, that's not the wrong right cadence. time yeah wrong cadence awful hello hello and welcome to review two this time a review 2 surrender 40 songs one story written by bono Straight from the horses,
1: or Bono's mouth.
0: As he says, that's a lot of lentils.
1: Everyone he's ever met is listed in the book. And all voiced by Bono. Colour, life, post-rattle and hum fun. What I took from it is Bono seems to be quite a nice guy.
0: (laughs) So we're back on the airwaves. 40 podcasts, one review two, two hosts, one band, you two, we both, 40 songs, two of us, talking to you about you two. I made most of that up, actually. I'm quite happy with that.
1: Well done, yeah.
0: So, we're back, Tyler. Uh, are we on now? Yes, we are oh. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The studio is working. We've got rid of all the spiders and mice that are in here. And we're talking about that huge wedge that sits in front of you. This tome.
1: Tome? The... Is it a tome? Yeah. A, a, it's a tome. Yeah. A
0: sacred text, yeah. I, ima- I imagine, for many U2 fans. Yeah,
1: it is big.
0: Yes, and, and long. Um, and you... in
1: part, not a page-turner. Well... I, I feel like this is three books in one
0: it's a lot it's a lot, definitely. is it like five hundred and something pages? The reason I don't know, by the way, dear listeners, is because without planning, Tyler read the book, and I audio booked it. I quipped on Twitter that it was the only way I was ever going to to get through it. But I mean that in a positive way because I think it's very wonderfully produced.
1: 560, roughly.
0: Yeah, that is, that is too long. I mean, you could use a bit of an editor. I'd say, just as my overall opinion for this review, which we're trying to not spin out for ages, um, but it feels like this is significant enough for us to uh, make a grand Christmas return to the airwaves, I'd say it is long, but mostly goes at pace. He does have a skill for finding those top-line melodies, and it's mostly interesting stuff. But I agree, there are bits where it does slow to a trudge.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of autobiographies come come out at this time of year, or supposed autobiographies come out at this time of year. David Jason has written another Del Boy inspired um, autobiography this year. Wait, I, don't... I think it's the Twelve Dells of Christmas this time. <laughs> so that well's being bled dry.
0: I don't understand this. Right? Maybe this is a medium and a thing that I've never really been into. He's written it as Del Boy.
1: I don't think so. I right. judge these books purely by what the, the titled. Well, that's I haven't not, read any of them. That's not even a pun. But I think this is at least the third autobiography I've seen of David Jason, who mm. played the nation's favourite sitcom character Del Boy.
0: Mm. I'm not agreeing. I'm just There's saying a, there,
1: there are. I think there are now three books with a Del pun in 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 the title.
0: So you're saying that basically, celebrity autobiographies are generally oversaturated in the market.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially in December.
0: Yeah. I wonder if Bonner would have got round to actually writing this one were it not for COVID. I think it's been in the works for quite some time. But I think being able to be very introspective, a lot of people got a lot of writing done. And I think I'm I'm, I'm happy about having it. You know, it's, it's a good production overall. It's definitely... Um, it's a very good production. It's been critically regarded well. I mean, not to bang on, but the Irish Times calls it introspective, raw, self-appreciating and oddly earnest... Um, even The Guardian were actually quite nice about it, which I didn't expect. I thought I'd be getting a, a two-star review from them. Uh, surrender is characteristically expansive, but it whizzes by. Generous, energetic, these, these sort of things. And New York Times says, like you too, surrender soars whenever the spotlight comes on. So I think it's been, what could have been a gaff has turned out to be really good. So Tyler and I don't have a very systematic approach to this. I think we're just going to talk about the book. I've got a few things I've written down.
1: I think there are three ways to look at this book. Okay. There's the story of Bono in U2. Yep. The story of Paul Hewson or Bono, Nude Bono, whatever you want
0: to... As, as you call him.
1: As all the Review, ta- review, yeah. review 2 fans all around the world... I can tell I've not said that for a while. All the Review <laughs> 2 fans all around the world call him Nude Bono. Mm. And the story as Bono is the activist. And I think those three categories, they describe three different parts of the book and also three different parts of Bono's life. Sometimes overlapping, sometimes mm. very separate. But that's what I got from this. I, I felt like I was being read three stories and I don't know if this would have been better as three different books.
0: Um, Possibly. I mean, I, the thing is... I. I'm just trying to think, I agree with those three, but I'd also add there's the Bono and Ali story in there as well, which weaves in and out, in and out, their um, marriage.
1: That Look, there, there might be uh, loads of romance fans out there that bought this book just to hear about Bono and Ali, but I don't think that's the case. I think the people that bought this book are U2 fans.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah.
1: I also don't think many people bought this book um, because of Bono's humanitarianism. You might want to hear about it, mm. but I don't think you—you you had to be a U2 fan to buy this book. You didn't buy this book because you. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of that Bono chap. He raises a lot of money for charity. I wouldn't mind reading his book. No one, no one did that. If you did, get in touch. But why would you be listening to this? He's had, had a lot of.
0: I don't know. I think the just as a cultural figure, maybe people, maybe the look. The main audience is obviously U2 fans. That's fair enough. That's yeah. said. But I think there's there'd be a fringe interest in. I mean, he's you know he's. Small man with a with a big mouth, you know. And I think he's enough of a cultural icon that some people might just be like, oh, I'd be interested. Particularly, I think, when they realise how good the production is. And I think there might have been some people hooked in um, by the animations that he's been doing recently um, and the performances that have been on TV and things like that.
1: I didn't know what I thought about this until I saw the Stephen Colbert version of With Without You. Yeah. And... I think with every rock band that's been around for a while, there's this feeling that if when they bring something out, you have to kind of prepare yourself. Is this going to be f- unintentionally funny? Mm. Or is this going to be artistically Ballad. interesting? Yeah. Or is it just going to be a bit of a flop? Yeah. And there's obviously trepidation with, with any rock band at this stage in the career. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen by the way has just brought out a uh, an album of soul and motown covers and nothing over the last month has brought me more joy than that album. Oh right, good. I thought you were going to say that's an example of a flop. It's funny, and don't let anybody else tell you that it isn't funny because it's hilarious because the I don't know if it's the E Street Band, I'm pretty sure it is the E Street Band playing hmm. these soul and motown classics as they are supposed to sound. Yeah. And then you get Bruce Springsteen being Bruce Springsteen, yes, singing these songs. What examples of songs are there? Like any that I would know, any uh, like standards? Night Shift by the Commodores. Keep uh, going. <laughs> I have Do you not know Night Shift? No. Um I'd have to get it up on my phone and I don't have it. Cuz it's not my genre. Yeah. to know those songs off by heart, but if we get drunk tonight, that's what we're going to be watching. Because okay. I, I, th- I think there's a lot in it. Um, this isn't a, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, although we've tried desperately to make it one in the past. Um, I really respect Bruce Springsteen for doing that, for just going. Do you know what? I want. To, I this is the album I want to do right now, and it yeah. makes a lot of sense. I understand that a lot of soul and Motown fans won't necessarily love this, but it's a different interpretation on some classic songs. But. There is the fact that it's ludicrous. It's absolutely insane for for Bruce Springsteen to do this kind of thing. And you can't not watch it because it's mm. so out of character. It's so different. I think he does it very well. But there is that element of, am I in a different dimension now? So do you feel this with this thing? With Bono's thing? Certainly. That Yeah. That's because the it's... point I was, I was going to try to come to. So, well, <laughs> In a roundabout way. How long was that going to take? <laughs> well, um, we, we've only got six hundred pages to talk about. Yeah, room. you
0: said keep this succinct. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it is weird seeing Bono on stage on his own. Um, that, that's odd. Oh, and by the way, just as a just as a side note, I know um, Sean Whelan, for example, and a couple of other people were inquiring about whether we were attending any of the shows. I mean, I think when these were first announced, Tyler and I were like neither was. We didn't hate the idea, but we also weren't super excited. Like, you know, oh, it's a U2 tour sort of thing. We set ourselves an amount of money. The tickets were
1: above that quite significantly. We we, uh, I, we set ourselves, what I would say is quite a generous amount of yeah, money. Exactly. And ticket prices were above that. And and we both looked at each other and went, well, let's not do it then. It's yeah. a financial crisis right now. There's, there's a huge problem in music right now, and that is ticket prices. It's ridiculous. Everyone's yep. been talking about it. You all know what's going on. And the problem is, you're still buying tickets. That's the problem. And let me tell you, if a band or an artist brings out some tickets and they're priced too high and you don't buy them, they will lower those tickets. They're not mm. going to cancel the tour. Won't, won't just rich people buy them, though? Well, they might do. Mm. But like I, I'm... I'm not playing this game, and yeah. it does make me concerned for the next U2 tour because obviously I want to go, but I'm not going to bankrupt myself. Well, yeah, I mean, getting in just some general U2 news, and like, I mean, me- and before anyone says, I know that tickets for thing, for Bono's stuff and U2 stuff, a lot of money does go to charity. I get that, but the the standard tickets were already out of my price range. Well,
0: the other thing is, I mean, a lot of people have been. I I, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but there's I've seen a lot of stuff on our general you know, our review to Twitter feed of people complaining that th- that they need to sort this ticket master relationship out because it's not working and scalpers are making huge amounts of money. There's already there's already loads set aside. But anyway, I don't know enough hard facts about that. But speaking of interesting events or worries for the next year, apparently there's been news about Larry not being able to or not physically wanting to go on tour. So if I just get this up. So Larry Mullen Jr. says he may not drum with you two if band tours in 2023 he needs to take some time to get himself healed he says we know larry's had health issues and playing the drums is an incredibly physical thing so i can't see them playing without larry is my so it might just be if larry's not prepared enough then they won't play i i would i would hope that is the case but i don't know what you feel about that i
1: can see them playing without him i hope larry Gets better and rests up, and I don't want him get going on stage and injuring himself and making him worse. Mm. I'm very happy for this band to take a break. In you know, if if they if that's what they need to do. Mm. Um, but I think contracts are most probably already been signed. The rumor is that they're gonna open the MSG Sphere, which is an MSG duplicate Madison Square Garden. I know what duplicate. MSG is. <laughs> um, you you do, but other people might not. Oh, fair enough. Um, you have it on Chinese food so that's going to happen I think those contracts have signed if they want to open it they want to do that residency this time next year mm. I, I think they are still beholden to you know the contracts they sign and this is just a, a casualty that you know that's it's going to ha- it's gonna happen but mm. they'll get a good drummer in I'm sure Larry's got an understudy and I'm sure a lot of you know what, he, what his understudy is called personally I don't all <laughs> <But>, oh, right, <laughs> but that that's the case I think from if that's the rumor and if that's true then yeah let larry it does it, it's fine we can you know we can get through it
0: i mean i'd rather them take a year and not play with larry than go on without him
1: i'd be surprised if that's an option you two are a very very powerful band and they're a very very big name um i suppose it it depends what contracts they've signed. Yeah, I mean, but I wouldn't want to go and watch you two and know that one of them is risking the health by playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know.
0: well, I, I also yeah. That, I mean, that's the worst option that he goes on when he's not ready and then feels awful, you know, or yeah. gets injured. We'll call this little segment here sort of news roundup very very quickly because. As you can see, Tyler and I have not been massively active on um, the YouTube front for the past year or so. It's it is nice to have some time doing something else. Um, so like from a distance, we've been listening about stuff, but I'm not making a post on the new Funko Pop uh,
1: figures because I just do not care. Do just want to say, go on. Was this not my idea? What your idea? Yeah, remember when we were doing the review two live season? What do you mean? When he hadn't, uh, when... He hadn't, he hadn't brought a book out by then. No, no, no. When we did the live season, we went through all the live shows, and I was talking about which action figures I'd buy. All right, yeah. Oh, Where that. Where are my ro- royalties? <laughs> I wouldn't have done it with Funker Pops, because I think they're absolutely utter landfill.
0: Well, I would say that as well. They've got cold, dead shark eyes, and they look nothing like the people they, they are deigning to to uh, depict.
1: Yeah. I would have Personally, I would have gone with Mattel, and had about 72 points of articulation, but the, there you go. I'm I'm not in charge of U2's merchandise, obviously.
0: No, but I mean that that landfill is going to make a lot of money for someone. Um I thought you I thought you were saying that you this was your idea for the podcast, and that's why I, I thought, you'd no, be, no, I thought no. you. No, no, no. You're annoyed my, at me. I, I,
1: I am annoyed by the Funko thing.
0: Well, I'm sure your check will be in the they've post. They've taken
1: my idea and done it the worst way possible. <laughs> um,
0: the other stuff is songs of uh, ascent. That's you know again. That's this maybe that's a title for something provisional that might be out in 2024. Um, but apparently relatively confirmed in March coming up of this year again I don't know anything and I'm I'm basing this off stuff I've seen at third hand apparently next year 2023 we're going to get the songs of surrender we're going to get all of the covers that I believe are snippeted all the way through the audiobook Um, oh
1: that's well I'd listen to that
0: well yeah I think I think that will be genuinely interesting did you listen to the audiobook of the Bono book Right, okay, good. So, you, so if I mention them, you can, you'll can you have an in, input on it. Yeah, of course, yeah. All right, cool. All right, um, look, if there is more news, sorry, we've not got around to it, um, Sing 2 has literally left no mark on my entire radar. I don't think either of us are interested in any level. So there we go, you know. Glad that Bono gets a a time to pretend to be a, a, a big lion. If that makes him happy, that's fine. Um, right, anyway, uh, yeah. So the book opens... We're not going to go page by page. Don't worry. <laughs> the book opens with Bono under the knife, um, and I was interested to learn that he's got a hundred and thirty percent lung capacity of, of regular people. You was that face um, a face of disbelief or pinch of
1: salt or what? Uh, it, Tell me face. It was mentioned in the article I sent you yesterday. Yep. Which was a, an article in the Spectator. Which I, I know that a lot of you people listening won't really enjoy that article. I found it to be an honest reflection of how the journalist felt about the book. She was very open that she hadn't particularly cared for Bono's voice, Mm. uh, but she was interested in in Bono's activism and humanitarianism. So I knew kind of what place she was coming from. Mm. But she did make the point that there are a lot of accidental Alan Partridge-isms. Yes. For people who aren't familiar with Alan Partridge, here's your chance, Johnny. Can you sum up what Alan Partridge (laughs) is? To people that wouldn't have seen it, um, well, he's a well, he's a
0: he's a comedy character, British, UK based comedy character. I'm doing a good job so far, uh, from Norwich, um, and it's really it is hard to capture what he's like. Um, he's he's very gaff prone. He's a bit like a Richard Madeley sort of figure. Although if you don't know who Partridge is, you probably won't know who Richard Madeley is. He's
1: portrayed by Steve Coogan. Suffers from thinking what he what he says is profound when actually when actually it's full of inconsistencies and often contradictions yeah yeah, yeah. the the quote in the spectator that the journalist whose name i've forgotten um you uh, used was bono saying i'd become a bit of a man around the youth clubs yeah <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one and i it, it did seem like that i didn't settle into the narration it's the the production's fantastic. It really yeah, is it's for wonderful. an audio book. It's much more. It's like an audiobook plus. You, it's because you've got the snippets of songs in the background. You've got Bono acting mm. things out. You've got sound effects. Bono did. I, I think he really did show his range as a performer. I'm not going to say an actor, but a, as, as somebody who can entertain mm. you for. A very turned long turned out to be a very extended period of time. That's where the strength of the book was. But Bono sometimes will say something, and it does. I know what he's trying to say, but it hits the wrong note. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say on that, he, as he says in the book, a
0: few times, he is good at getting the top line melody, like finding that place that chimes in really well. And he mentions other figures that have that ability and gift that he does, and I think that genuinely is one of his gifts, both melodically and as an idea that's where he really really shines and it's a nice distillation of that however like you were saying it is sometimes a bit partridgey it's also a bit like um this character called the sphinx from a film called mystery man now it doesn't matter if you've not seen that film because it's this basic idea of like flipping around a phrase i think it might be called chiasmus as an actual rhetoric technique but like for example um Sphinx will say something like, until you learn to master your rage, your rage will become your master. You know, these sort of like, they sound really profound, like they're based in some sort of transcendental, like mystical wisdom, but they're actually just flipping around words. So one example is, um, we kept the faith, or maybe the faith kept us. That's what Bono says about the band nearly breaking up. He says about the business of religion and the religion of business. And I, I, I quite like that a lot of the time, but the problem with those sort of things is if you if you start noticing them a lot, then they're probably not doing their job that well. You want to just be able to say, just tell us the story. Like he's very fond of a rhetorical flourish, is Arbono, and mostly he gets that he gets that perfect.
1: Yeah, it's conversational. He manages for it to be conversational throughout. I mm. didn't, for any point, feel I was being just read a story. I felt like I was involved in a conversation with him. Mm. It's almost as if he was trying to answer questions that you might have. I, I, th- I think it was written very well. I don't believe he wrote, wrote it completely on his own. I think he'll have had
0: an editor, but I, doubt, I don't think it was ghostwritten by an extent.
1: Definitely kind of stuff that we should have done in uh, the research. We? Oui. Well, you've not got this answer, have you?
0: No, but I, I'm, I'm not making the accusation. I'm not saying Jacques Paul David Hewson. Bono's the
1: only person listed, but
0: let's <laughs> we'll see. I think he's probably got a very good editor, because if it's still that long after it's been through, was it Bloomsbury or whatever, then they've, it must have been a lot longer beforehand. And he, we know he can ramble on, but I'd say for the most part, everything there is 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 chopped down to a to a nice pithy kind of a kind of amount. Yeah,
1: the chopping is an interesting phrase. I feel like a few people probably went through this and mm. um, redacted. Parts. Why? Do you know? Do you not? Do you not get any sense of that? This is a man who's been in a rock and roll band for a very long time, and he does hint at affairs and um, sex, oh. drugs, rock and roll, which we know. I got the hint experience.
0: of I got the hint of I mean, there's definite there's bits where he's saying like we we started getting good at having fun, maybe we got too good at having fun, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but then, um, which is him basically saying, yeah, we did loads of drugs in the nineties. But um, where's the
1: dirt though? And well, I'm, using, I'm saying the dirt because uh, the uh, Motley Crue biopic that came out, which we both loved. We didn't <laughs> expect much from it, but it, I didn't expect it, as much as what came out. Yeah, it was a fantastic film, and I think. On the other end of the scale as, as the book, the Motley Crue biopic, The Dirt, actually managed to exaggerate it a little bit. Mm. Whereas this is very downplayed. Yeah. It's four guys in a rock band for 40 years. You know, it must have...
0: But most of them were were quite hardcore Christians throughout the time when rock stars would be misbehaving in the way that
1: Motley Crue surely did. Um, I agree, but... There was like the nineties is the point that I would I would look at were they I don't think they were as devout or mm. those feelings didn't come to the floor as much. Oh
0: well, yeah, and also Adam isn't isn't part of that same group at all. Yeah, he was ostracized so, quite a lot for that. Um, on so, the first so that's, thing that,
1: that was that was one of my I think I think people who read these kinds of books they want that inside scoop, and I yeah. I felt like this was in most parts very PG, so PG that it was suspect. It's cur- Yeah, it's
0: carefully managed, definitely, I would say. Um, And there's bits where yeah, I think there are allusions to possible infidelities. I'm saying possible because I don't know. And also, this I think tends to be the side of you two that we don't feel as comfortable, or at least I definitely feel on shaky ground discussing, because I know that you and I don't really care that much about the personal lives of the band. Like, that sounds weird because then we have a whole
1: podcast. We're much more interested in the music. The contradiction, though, is when you write an autobiography, that's what people are interested yeah. in. Yeah, and Bono does write about the personal lives. He writes about his children. This, and I found I found that to be very touching. I found
0: that to be very dull.
1: No, I I, I I'd like to know. I can't imagine what it's like to be. Bono's son oh. or daughter.
0: By the time they were floating around in the River Jordan, I was like, "Get on, <laughs> get on, Bono." But, yes, it's symbolic. But,
1: but no, I like I like hearing those things. But again, it's.
0: Do you know what I'd like? Literally forty chapters of him going into massive detail about the production of every single one of the songs.
1: Yeah, I I would say that the, my favorite part of this book was the the, the first third. Yeah. Being yes, generous, yes. Yes. Where yes. Were they talking about the story? Of Bono being in Paul McGuinness's flat for the first time, yeah, and they were starving, and Bono said, "Can I go and make myself a sandwich?" And he came back with a Parmesan sandwich. Yeah, I found I I was really endeared by that story because it shows where this band came from. Yeah, they they didn't live in poverty. I think they. No, he makes no bones about the fact they were actually like they, they decently were...
0: off. He never tried to be like play the card of being like a a real rough working class diamond or anything. No, but
1: I think they were relatively poor. Not not really. Do you not I do mean, that? compared to like maybe like not they... compared to like Aslan, who came from a different part of. Yeah, Goodwood. I mean,
0: this the problem is like you. Can't, it's hard to make a comparison because you're going well or well, compared to what? Yeah, like I think he said that they were they were generally okay. Like you know, it was cold before they got central heating. They had, but they had a color telly early on. You yeah. know, I think they were just they were they were fine. You know what I mean? Not not uber rich or anything, but okay.
1: I, I think it shows this man of great privilege now, and you know, a huge bank account. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that that matters. And kind, it's a funny story. If if you or I had made a parmesan sandwich one at uh, one time, because mm. oh, it's cheese like yeah that's what you do that, that's the story that we would tell forever it would be it would yeah. be a, a laughing point hmm. for the rest of the relationship so i enjoyed that kind of story that was a little insight to where they came from yeah you know compared to where they are now yeah definitely Th- those insights the re- the relationship with the religious group and adam's misgivings about that kind of thing hmm. and that's what kind of set me up for the oh I'm now being told the little bits of history that I've wanted to be told and I'm hearing it from Bono's um, own oh, mouth. Yeah. We've got things wrong. And I, I, sometimes I was listening to it, oh God, that's not what I said on the podcast. See, I thought, I mean, just to be self-aggrandizing, I
0: thought we didn't do too badly. Considering that we came from this just being like, should we do a podcast? We don't know that much, you mm. know. Apart from Apart from knowing the songs very well and loving the music, we didn't know that many biographical details. Look, we definitely got stuff wrong, you know, before... Like saying that Jimi Hendrix was still alive or whatever we did at some point. Yeah, that kills me that. I don't think we said that. We said something
1: stupid, but it wasn't that he was like some... I, I, someone recently died. I don't think it was Hendrix, I think it was someone else. Anyway. But yeah, there's on the rat on home. I I don't
0: think I don't think we did that badly. And I think we stayed like true to some of the spirit of things. Joe, one thing I will say, okay, just to again be self aggrandizing, I think considering the bands he focused on, I didn't think we did too badly with um with Tummel.
1: No, I agree. So yeah.
0: all that, like, I mean, not all, but like, you know, the Clash, Kraftwerk, Ramones. We should have Ramones leave home because that's the one that he likes more. But anyway, um, Patti Smith, that kind of stuff. All these figures seem to just pop up a lot. And listening to Bono tell his story tells the story of who I like musically. With there's a few exceptions of bands that he's really into that I I'm kind of take or leave. But that was interesting to me, like, and seeing all the stuff that he was really focusing on. And I do like it when he comes down from this statesman of rock that he is now and talks about just jumping around in his house listening to um, Ramones leave home and just those links. Talking about getting into Santana Abraxas when he was really young, I thought that's exactly the time I got into it and it was only because my dad had a spur copy. It was a double album with another Santana album and I just got into it so much. And you think, yeah, there is actually a link here. He is still a massive fan of music.
1: Yeah, and and I think... I, I got that as well and sometimes when he was talking about songs like Patty I'm not a huge fan of Patty Smith. You've probably heard the episode. But <laughs> when he was talking about People Have the Power and how it feeds into the character of who Bono is, like mm. that is he what he would love to have written that song, yeah. People Have the Power. I I'd, I'd probably listen to that three, four, five days in a row just because I'd heard Bono talking about it. He's yep. a great salesman yep. for the music that he likes. And when you listen to music through the ears of Bono, yeah. it, it's hard not to get the same... Uh, enthusiasm? E- yeah, enthusiasm, excitation, I was going to say. Is, <laughs> is that a word anymore? I think
0: exultation, I've isn't
1: it? I, really, I can't spell. Last last few months, I I had to look at um, the messes and go like, how do you spell this word? Like a, a normal word? Salisbury Hill I was trying to spell the other day. Oh yeah, like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's watching. Peter Gabriel is on tour soon, and for the for Salisbury Hill. Oh, sign me up. He normally rides a bike around the stage, so I, I sent um again. A friend, sign a friend me up. That sounds amazing. A, a, a mobility scooter and going. Peter Gabriel's new wheels for Salisbury Hill, <laughs> but I was I was just looking at. It, I like, do you spell Salisbury? Anyway, that's a different um. That's a different uh, book. Yeah. Yeah. When we
0: do uh, P- Peter Gabriel's uh, autobiography. <laughs> Well, that seems like a good point, perhaps, to bring in the little glimpses that were given of, potentially, the Songs of Surrender. These new versions or reimagined versions um, that feature as little snippets throughout the book and between chapters. We said the audio production is fantastic at this. It's it's good for all the little touches, like when they're talking about um, recording with Steve Lillywhite and... You can hear the voice of someone you know in the closed cans going, like, Can we do that again, please? You know, that kind of thing. Um, loads of little things where you can tell this has been a production of care and love and they've really thought about it. They've not just said, right Bonno, there you go, read the script. But I assume these are the finished versions of the songs of surrender, that all these reworkings of things like Stories for Boys, Desire, all the other things that that turn up. I, I don't see how they could be otherwise, because they're high production values, so which ones did you think stood out or were interesting to you when you
1: were when
0: you were listening to the the audiobook?
1: Um having only gone through the book once, hmm. I haven't there's not favorites. I've been more surprised with the choices that they've made. Hmm. Um I maybe should have made notes on those, but in uh, just taking a song and using different instruments, yeah. um can make it sound completely different and that's a technique that is very prevalent throughout the whole thing Mm. so um there was some of the early tracks that i know i was starting to play because just recently not for any other reason it's just you get into little sections of okay i'm gonna i'm gonna not it's not even a choice of listening to certain songs Mm. for a period of time and then you go and rediscover some others and you listen to those for a bit so the early stuff isn't what i've been listening to recently yeah so any time one of those came, if I looked at the track list and I could, I could probably give you a few, a few, which ones did you pick out?
0: Um, I really liked the version of Stories for Boys. I thought that was good. Um, There's a version, I mean, although I think from what I can tell, my ear might not be right. The early version of Stories for Boys, I think that might be Edge taking the, the lead vocal on it. Yeah. Um, from what I remember in the in the audiobook. there's a version of Desire, which I think is... It, for, I like the instrumentation, but it seems pretty spectacularly misjudged. It's got some sort of weird um, vocoder thing on it. It stands out like a sore thumb, which I didn't
1: like. Yeah, uh, two hearts beat as one, certainly. I think Stories for Boys stood out for me, because that chapter in particular stood out to me, where he's talking about the book. What book? Oh, <laughs> Boys on an Island. Lord of the Flies? Yes, oh, thank you. By William Golding. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think, I'm I'm very hyped to listen to Songs of Surrender, but I know there's going to be a few turkeys on there as well, so amazing ones. It's also quite interesting to listen to something like Where the Streets Have No Name, because it was definitely a, a new version of that, but Bono was singing, he was doing that thing he does live, you know where he changes the lyrics, so he's saying like, I hear you in a whisper, the whisper of a hurricane, and all, all that sort of thing, and it's... You can imagine some fans, me included, kind of getting like a bit runkled at that, like a bit. Do you want another
1: cringe moment? Yeah, please. Yeah, lay him on Like when, when he's talking about uh, Bob Dylan, going yeah, on, and he doesn't yeah. know, he doesn't know the lyrics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bob comes up to him afterwards. And goes, sometimes I don't sing the right words either. I change them all the time. Oh, it's just. Oh, Bono, come on. To do
0: that, I mean, that's a that's a kind of face plant that he like owns up and admits to, and says like, "What a jerk I am," you know. No,
1: but it's. Did Bob say that? Um is, is Bono... I think he was being
0: kind. I think he was just being nice to yeah. him. What it, what I
1: suppose. I suppose when you're reading this book, you have to realise that it is written uh, by someone who views the world through rose-tinted glasses. Yeah,
0: yeah, or blue-tinted or yellow-tinted. It Depends on the era, to be honest.
1: That's the best joke I've ever made on review two. You can hear them. them the podcast laughing at home.
0: Podcasts. That's it's not even from my podcast. That's no, what it's Adam not. Buxton yeah. calls his podcast. Cod fans. Cod fans. Uh Bob Dylan also there's a bit in there where he I can't remember the exact line but where Bono says Bob Dylan is one of the most comedic performers I've ever known. And I like it doesn't sound like the compliment that you're that you're meant to be. Billy Connolly,
1: Jasper Carrot, yeah, Bob Dylan, Louis C. K. It's, it's a it's a, weird,
0: it's a weird group to be um to it's a weird thing for him to say to introduce it. <laughs> Speaking of streets, an interesting um bit I thought was when they were talking about how they had the opportunity to sell it. For, do you remember how many millions they were offered initially? There was a car brand that said we will pay you this amount of money, x amount of millions. I remember
1: it, but I I don't think I was listening properly at the time of um the, the figure. Twenty three
0: million they were offering just for a you know for a car ad thing, um and apparently Jimmy Iovine was the one who said you know, you could do that. But every time you mention the fact that, you know, this song, which I think is, it's got to be, it's in everyone's U2 top 10, I would would assume, certainly live. It's something you wait for and it's a big moment. It's when, you know, to quote Bono, God walks through the room, even if they're having a crappy gig. Jimmy Iovine said like, do you want that moment to then be known as, oh, these guys are playing that car ad again. So,
1: I, th- I think that's. I think. I I think that's great advice from Jimmy Iovine. I love Jimmy Iovine. After that Netflix series.
0: That was a good series. Yeah. Um, what was that called? I don't know,
1: but it was good. Yeah, it was with uh, Dre, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, was it's... it the Defiant Ones? That is yes, yes. Yeah. That, that's what it was. Uh, th- but if it's happened to everybody, you hear a song on the radio and go, "Oh, what's that? what? Amputes this from? Not mm. which band sings this, or yeah. what album is this on?" So if they're saying something like, oh, what, what what advert was this? Or what car was this? It doesn't make the band any or, money. Or which football so, league is this? Musically, it's a great sentiment mm. to not sell the song in that regard. And in, 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 I think business sense, it's, it makes the best. Because they, they've, they've made 23 million from streets. Certainly. I
0: don't know how the maths work out, but I think it was the right business decision. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I guess, um, Review 2 News, we didn't talk about the fact... That, um, we never mentioned the World, was it World Cup or Euros song. We are the people we've been waiting for or whatever. I have nothing to say about that.
1: People on Twitter really seem to like it.
0: And they're entitled to their opinion. I just, they are. It just felt like very anodyne production. It, it felt like someone playing... Like, okay, we're going to write our U2 song. This is probably what it will sound like. And, um, yeah, so... Yeah. I've, again, not, not really got much of an opinion on it, apart from the fact that occasionally you'll, you'll listen to one of these songs and think, well, I, that doesn't sound like it's very essential, YouTube two, but maybe a couple of little chord changes I'd like them to keep for actually good songs on good albums, but um, particularly as it's taking so long between albums to happen. So if they're, if they're spending the musical wealth on, on that then it does come across as, well, it's kind of a, a, a splurging of, of of that wealth. Another thing that was revealing early on, and I think like you, I, I just kind of gravitate to the early stuff and personally really tune out during all the stuff from like the, when he starts shaking hands with Tony Blair and Bill Clinton and stuff, you know, necessary as that might have been for various things. We'll get to that later. I just, I really am interested in the early days and and um, and all the stuff that I find interesting musically. So, Iris is one of my favourite songs. I really, really like it. I think it's only gone up in my estimation over the past few years. Cedarwood Road has started to land for me. Oh wow, that's <laughs> taken the best part of ten I was years. Say it only took, yeah. yeah, it only took um, over half a decade. <laughs> um, but w- one of the things that I found interesting was that Bonner was talking how about how the fact that he wanted to pull it and thought, well, that won't be a big deal. You know, we've got enough songs. I'll pull it off the record because it's not like all the vinyl's been printed or all the CDs have been made. If that album didn't have Iris on it, I think it would be fundamentally wounded, different, nowhere near as good. And I put it in an incredibly high category nowadays, Songs of Innocence. Not the same as Songs of Experience, which I think is a bit lower. (laughs) Yeah, so what what do you think about about that?
1: Well, yeah, I I kind of feel the same because there are certain songs on that album that can be described as a linchpin I imagine and depending on how you see that album there is for me Iris is the point where Paul becomes Bono mm-hmm. where Iris leaves the world and Bono enters the world and you two and then song for someone if you see them in a kind of order it's so vitally important in what that album the the story that the album is trying to say all oh, right okay. so yeah, I, you can't take Iris off there. You can't take Song for Somebody off, there. So, Song for Someone off there every thing, single time. Um, you can't get take Joy Ramone off there. You can't. I, I I wish Crystal Ballroom was on there. Well,
0: yeah, but then we're just gonna. We, I don't. Yeah,
1: we're gonna rehash things here. Yeah. but uh,
0: the reason it did come out, Bono took it as a symbol because it was the last day that he spoke to his mother. It was the same date that the album was set to to release. Wasn't it
1: the funeral? Or the day she died? I don't think he it spoke.
0: Yeah, well well, because he would have spoken to it. It was the day she collapsed at the funeral. Right, okay. I assume that was the day anyway. That's I've yeah. got it written down that that's what it because I was thinking, I know that I'm gonna get this wrong. But anyway, so look, I don't believe in that kind of thing personally. As in I think that there is such a thing called coincidence as only what three hundred and sixty-five days in the year in the year. That's it. I was just thinking that myself. But um <laughs> but there we go. That's it's it's nice that he took that if that's what it takes for him to, you know, um not pull it off the album or not attempt to then it seems like a good omen. And the fact that he was ready and able to sing that, and it must have just taken so much out of him to to do that every night on, on tour as well, because I, I don't think we've ever seen him as someone who just phones in songs. He has to actually like step into it properly to actually be able to sing them properly. And I think what the book got across um, was, despite not having a, a long relationship with Iris, it obviously meant a huge amount. You do get—I mean, maybe we might not be doing a very good job in in painting because um, we're just talking about the stuff we find interesting. But it—it's been really interesting to go back through all the pathways and roadways and lanes and school corridors, particularly of Bono's childhood, and see all those relationships in a bit more vivid. Bit more, yeah, a bit more vivid detail.
1: I suppose it's the level of thought that Bono would have had to put into. Okay, if I'm going to talk about this song or this moment in my life, what do I want on the record? What do I want people to refer back to in the future as, a, you know, a reference mm. point? As straight from the horses or Bono's mouth. <laughs> so that that's what I take from it. It's it's got to be very deep talking about those kinds of things. Mm. Um, I've said before a song like. Sometimes you can't make it on your own. Uh, that song gets more and more difficult for me to listen to. Particularly as your parents start to age. Yeah. And my God, they've aged. <laughs> oh, since since lockdown and the pandemic. It's like, it's like they entered into it normal people and left pushing shopping trolleys. Yeah. Will they be
0: listening to this? It... Probably not. Yeah, well, uh, apologies to them anyway. I don't think my mum
1: knows what a podcast is,
0: so... <laughs> Little side note that I've made here: um, Bono refers at one point to *Rat in Hum* as a live album, so it's he, he tries to use that to get off the hook for why it was received badly. It's like, and I, I was literally walking down the road, and I went, "It's not a live album to, to no one in particular." If someone walked past me, <laughs> doing like, what, "What are you on about?" It, it's not a live album. That's the problem. It's an amalgamation of things, some of which are brilliant, some of which are, are, are god awful and, and misdirected. But there we go. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. There's nothing else we need to say about that cuz if people want our feelings they can go back to that review.
1: Yeah. We don't normally talk about politics on this podcast because well it's not what we're here for. You don't tune in to listen to t- t- us talk about politics cuz believe me, we know nothing about politics. We know absolutely nothing about politics. We know less about politics than we do you two So that's mm. how little we know.
0: But they also um they we we also I don't think we we don't want to suggest that you two shouldn't talk about the big topics you know religion politics sexuality that kind of thing because that that's the deeper human condition you can't just write songs about racing in a in a
1: big red lamborghini you know all the time well what i found interesting was bono is somebody who has relationships or has had relationships with world leaders in the past people like tony blair people like george bush people like bill clinton nelson mandela uh, yeah um others there are more. The, yeah. Um, and, and believe me, they're all listed in the book. Everyone he's ever met is listed in the book. And all voiced by Bono, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Continue your I point. I forgot about that. I found Bono's recollection and characterization of these people as being very generous mm. um, and quite faithful to the person he met, Not faith- not trying to live up to okay, well this person represents this party yeah. and this is how I, I perceive that party yeah. so I'm going to have this opinion of them. I thought he was very fur. Yeah. Tony Blair is not my favourite person in the world. Mm-hmm. Neither is George Bush mm-hmm. or Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Nelson Mandela but again, I wouldn't describe him as my most favourite person in the world. What's he done to you? He's done nothing to me, but you know, like you I, I I think more of you than I do Nelson Mandela, but I know you. I never met Right. But do you know then. what I mean? Okay. So it was interesting for me to hear about Bono having these interactions, falling yep. asleep in the White House, um Getting lost in Tony uh, Blair's Getting house. getting politely kicked out of uh Downing Street by, yeah. by Tony Blair. That that was nice and I felt that's necessary because he is somebody who gets a lot of criticism Mm. for hanging around these people. But it brings me on to the point of, there's a lot of opinions about Bono's relationship with these people and the reasons behind them Mm. and what they actually achieve. And what I really began to believe was the purpose of this book, was Bono showing you what he does and how much hard work goes into the humanitarian efforts, the activism... Mm how many meetings he has to have, basically living in Washington, D.C. Uh, mm. for for data. Missing a lot missing a lot of family
0: engagements and actually having to do some actual homework at various points as well.
1: Yeah, which is a complete juxtaposition of what you expect from the life of a rock star. It's obvious from this that Bono has put in a lot of hard work and, and put in a lot of stress and worry just trying to make the world a little bit better for people, Hmm. if he can. And I suppose that was needed and that was cathartic for him because he is aware that not Hmm. everybody's the biggest fan of those efforts. Yeah. People in the band, people in the management. People in the fandom people within the family perhaps you know yeah. people in this room and so i think that was what was most important that was what bono wanted to get out of it it's not just so he can go and um swap gifts with popes yeah it's so that there can be a certain profile the and people hear about what is happening because the story the headline might be pope wears bono sunglasses mm. but there's a reason that happened and i think it comes down to lazy journalism a lot of the time. Mm. The story isn't that the Pope wore Bono's glasses. The story is that Bono was trying to get the Pope's help for a certain campaign. I am more of a critic than perhaps I would like to admit about the humanitarian work. My response would always be, look, if you have a problem with Bono not being in the studio and not doing his job, imagine what I, a U2 fan, a pretty big U2 fan as it happens, imagine how I feel because, of course, that's what I want. But I get it, and I understand that 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 part of the book in particular was him exercising. I don't get to say this very often, but this is my book. This is what I've done. Hmm. And I don't think he was being braggadocious at that point.
0: No. I think, I think I mean, yeah, I think he has become way more, as he's got older, he said at one point, I'm probably saying this wrong, but he was used to throwing stones it was sort of them against the world when they were younger but then recently he's been starting to throw a lot more stones at himself and trying to be a lot more self-critical and i think he's got very good at that there's a whole section for example that's all about the white messiah complex that he's talking about that he's been accused of a lot of the time and i think he takes on his critics well and there's never an occasion in the book where i'm thinking this is disingenuous or that he's he's just trying to cover up for a sense of trying to still inflate his own ego in the way that people might, might be accusing him of. When you get to the point where they're having that discussion with George Soros on the phone and that committee of people are accusing Bono, Bono of um, selling out for a plate of lentils because of that photo op that he had with George Bush, which I remember at the time and felt quite cringeworthy over. I remember it, it being a, a sense of, oh, this is not where I really want the band to be. Bono brings us back home with the fact that them committing, Bush committing, and the administration committing $15 billion, as he says, that's a lot of lentils. And it does come down to lentils. It comes down to actual things that will change life. It comes It comes down to mosquito nets, malaria shots, clean water. AIDS so, drugs. AIDS drugs, yeah. All that kind of thing. And to summarise my my thoughts about this, which is a complicated issue, and a lot of people have asked me about how do I feel about the the book recently, because I know I'm into the band, not as much into just being fascinated by Bono's personal life. But I think he's not disingenuous about it. I think he does think that it's doing more good. I think the fact is that he talks about a lot of it. It is doing more good. Well, it is doing more good, yeah. I mean, there's there's some people who would say um, there's... The optics are bad politically but I think he talks about that and is aware of that fact and now would do things differently but if it's getting billions and billions of pounds in some kind of relief and we can talk about all the different power structures that are there and whether the money is going to the right people in all the right places, I think he's aware of that too and he's not someone who's just naively saying yay we did it, we solved you know, all the problems that exist with famine in the world or with AIDS in the world, that kind of thing um, but he keeps talking, whether this is about the peace process in Ireland or about any of his humanitarian work. He's saying if you can get people in a room who fundamentally disagree, if they will agree on the thing that is important enough, then that's all that matters. So even if you have people who have totally fundamentally different opinions, if there's one thing they can agree on is important enough, then it's worth pursuing. And that's why I think people might see him as, you know, trying to, you know, it leads you being it leads you to being a person who is vilified on both sides of a, of a, of a discussion, you know? So being able to manage that can make you quite unpopular, but you might actually be able to manage to make a difference. Whereas it's very easy to have an entrenched position and say, okay, well, that's how I feel about it. And I'm not going to change the world and I'll just be angry about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What I took from it is Bono seems to be quite a nice guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In summary, there we go. Um, Shall we get to his voices? Yes. So what were your, what were your, um, what were your favorites? What are your besties and worsties? Some of them are all right. Some of them are quite good. Yeah. yeah. His Clinton I think was 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 quite good, although very like very cartoony.
1: Johnny Cash wasn't accurate, but if I think about if if I was listening to Bono's impression and mm. pictured Johnny Cash, I could see him saying that. I I thought it was his, pretty decent. His impression of Johnny Cash was certainly better than his impression of June Carter Cash. <laughs> for example uh his Nelson Mandela was I'm going to say unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the <laughs> I don't thing think I'm going to leave it though. Well the
0: weird thing is you you start off the book with him um and realize realize that he's doing no matter who he meets he does the voice for them, you know. So and the audio production is so vivid and you get the bits and bobs you know of sound effects brought in. It's not just a dry reading as we said before. So he will start he'll do the voice of Paul McGuinness and then Adam Clayton, and all the people who he meets, and that obviously spirals. So then it, it isn't actually that strange. If he didn't do any of the voices early on, basically, it'd be weird. But because he's doing all the voices all the time for different people, by the time he gets to Clinton, and then Mandela, which you could argue is, you know, if he just came in chapter one, here's my Nelson Mandela impression, you'd be like, maybe not the best look in the world here, Bono. He managed
1: to do caricatures, which not, yeah. not necessarily impersonations, but Everybody's got their Bill Clinton inside them. I'm gonna go and play the saxophone. Hope my wife don't mind. You know, everybody's got that. That's, that's the least of his worries, to be honest. <laughs> at, at that point, his jo- George Bush was. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine George Bush sounding like that. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> he made he made George Bush sound sound a lot sterner than I've ever seen him. Be- and mm. also a lot more coherent than I've ever seen oh, George yeah. Bush be. Um his, is our children learning is our children learning yeah as a as a quote from from Bush
0: <laughs> um his Noel Gallagher was the the worst I've put up uh, the worst one I, think, yeah. I no yeah, it didn't sound like it was connected to i mean and they're pretty good mates as well, Paul McCartney was pretty bang on, yeah, I mean th- we've done similar impressions to that, you know. Uh, rest in peace Angela Lansbury by the way but, um,
1: but yeah no, I'm not laughing at the fact yeah. <laughs> can I just I am not laughing at the fact that she's dead I'm laughing at the fact that for that what turned out to be the last six years of that woman's life we have confused her with Paul McCartney confused her with Paul McCartney yes. I was very confused at Glastonbury when when he came on I, was like, yeah. I thought she died in the 60s and, they, and someone replaced her
0: <laughs> fair enough I liked the I liked the 90s stuff a lot. Um, I, I wish I had more to say about this, but I really enjoyed hearing him talk about pop and Acton Baby. But Acton Baby, I know this story so well from From the Sky Down. It almost felt like, okay, you know, Berlin Wall, bad problems, here comes one, bish bash bosh, bit of to partying around, you know, ooh, colour, life, post-rattle and hum fun. Uh, you know, all the major stops I knew on that journey. Mm. But the pop... The pop stuff was interesting. He still seems like he's kind of aggrieved by it. Troubled, yeah. Yeah. And I, this again, I might have said this before. I'm so glad that the first times I was listening to pop on a regular r- rotation were when I was 14 years old or whatever I would have been without any of this context, without a greater knowledge of. Because I wasn't around when it first actually happened, you know, when this. Or at least I wasn't into music journalism. I was literally just going through the numbers of "I Love You Too" currently when in, you know, the elevation or uh, how to dismantle kind of uh, era and being able to listen to it. So I just, I just feel like if you listen to that album without context, it's so good. And look, not every single one of it is an album,
1: not every single song is a stone cold classic. But it, it was it's it's my favorite song when I was sixteen years old. Uh, my, Pop was my favorite album when I was sixteen years old, and it's probably still my favorite album now. Um and I don't think that happens often. Hmm. It I found my opinion was just enriched by the amount we talked about it. Yeah. and the more we found out about it, I loved it, and I probably didn't understand why I loved it. I think I loved it because it was bright colors and fun. Yeah. Um, but now, as I've said before, I think it's the most. It's probably them at the most raw. Yeah. Because it is unfinished so you get to see through the cracks a little bit
0: yeah i mean to use a bonoism a song like mofo is u2 at the most and least u2-ish because outwardly it looks like what are you two doing playing all this pop music isn't this wacky you know but then (laughs) but then it's a man on stage you know using that falsetto to sing to his mother yeah in a in a baby like call it's it's incredible yeah, and it remains so.
1: It, yeah, it, it's brilliant. Uh, I can't. Obviously, no one's. I don't think anyone's talked about Pop Mart more on record than I have. <laughs> so I don't need to say it anymore. It reminds me of the scene in the book with Bono and Killian Murphy from acting. Peaky, Peaky from 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 the acting world. Yeah. <laughs> Peaky
0: Blinders and other things. Other things. Yeah. That's annoying me now. What else is? Oh, he's in Batman Begins. He, he is. Yeah. Plays a uh... Dr. Jonathan Name Crane. Anything else? Uh, no, I do know. He's been in a
1: lot. He has been in a lot. Uh, he's I think he was in a wall thing. Anyway, <laughs> there's I'm a saying. scene in the book where they're, they're sat at the bar and they've obviously become friendly. And Killian says something about not being able to connect with you two songs because the the lyricism isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. For criticism, he's a fan, just like we are. So, yeah. Like the fact is, he got to say this to Bono, and my god the things I'd say to Bono if I got the chance mm. over over a whiskey. But it's another Alan Partridge thing where where Bono gets to like explain the lyrics to Vertigo to Killian and Killian goes, Well do you know what? It is a bloody good song <laughs> I can't, I can't believe I never saw it. And I, I was watching it going, well, I hope Killian's not reading this. Yeah, he doesn't. You know? I, I imagine he would tell it differently. Well, I, he I, I imagine he would tell us straight away that his favourite U2 song is now Vertigo. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he would.
0: <laughs> Bono doesn't even really explain it. He just goes, like, lights go down. It's dark. Yeah, he you know, sings it. Like, it's, like, it's like, oh, well, now I've heard it in this context. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not convinced by that, and I doubt Killian Murphy was convinced by that either. To be honest, I'm still trying to think of Killian Murphy films that. It's really annoying me. <laughs> and while we've mentioned pop and and songs, um, I think it's really interesting that you get to hear some of Bono's perspectives on the perspectives of the songs. So, for example, him saying that all I want is you is he wrote that in Ali's voice, talking to Bono, which I could see, as he's the singer of that song, we tend to see things in first person and think, oh, it's Bono just doing the basic thing of singing a love song. But that song, which, beautiful as it is, you could say is a little bit one-dimensional compared to other things they've done. You know, it's a love song where you're saying you want everything about them. I mean, how many of them are there in the world? But if it's from Ali's perspective, then that's a lot more interesting. So that that was good. Um, and wake up dead man bono gives a reading of that which i think is would never have been a reading that would have been conscious at any point but um i mean i will quote so i'll do a bono here i'll just quote some lyrics here but he was saying Are doing wake... a,
1: a caricature or no 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 I
0: can't, my my voice is as you can tell guys i've got i'm at the end of a little bit of a sniffle so my voice sounds horrible sounds the same as usual whiny irritating say kind of too much yep um anyway this is them bonos this is them this is Bono saying that the lyrics to Wake Up Dead Man... His words were his tool. I know, I know, and it's not sharp. The lyrics to Wake Up Dead Man are from the band's perspective to Bono, telling him to like... You know when Him and Edge went right down this postmodernist kind of let's push it harder, let's take you two to incredible places. You know, if we if we just keep pushing harder, and then Larry's going like, why are we doing this? And Adam doesn't really understand what, what they're doing either. I mean, that's a simplification, but you know. He said think about this song from the band's perspective so them singing it to bono listen to your words they'll tell you what to do listen over the rhythm that's confusing you all the dance music listen to the reading the saxophone get back to the organic music bono listen over the hum of the radio as in the radio with all the dance tunes that he's listening to listen over the sounds of the blades in rotation let's just ignore that's about helicopters listen through the traffic and the circulation listen as hope and peace try to rhyme Listen over marching bands playing out their time. But it could be heard as playing out of time. Oh,
1: I get it. I See?
0: Get it. Oh, I've been killian Ding. Killian'd. Yeah. Yeah, you understand it now from a, from a uh, Nirvana-like perspective. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd enlighten you all about that anyway. I thought
1: it was interesting. So, what are your key takeaways from this book? It's called Surrender and I think
0: the one point where Bono says that Brian Eno said that surrender might be the most powerful word in the lexicon according to him which is interesting and I think there's various bits where Bono explores this idea of you know, surrendering to a song. There's a really good bit where he actually explains what it's like to being you too, and to ha- have that feeling, which no one, well, very few people are going to get in life, of s- singing regularly to twenty thousand people or ten thousand people, or whatever it is. He does a really good job. We've heard it a
1: load of times from him, obviously. I don't think many other people in that band are going to tell that uh, tell the story, though.
0: No, and and I don't think many many singers see themselves in the way that Bono sees himself when he's on stage. But I think to your average person, to be taken through what it feels like to have and it is a bit of a hokey idea, but to have a song sing you and to be totally within that and to be with, as Bono says, 10,000, 20,000 of your best friends, closest friends whilst on stage, I think you get a really unique perspective of that. Whereas I don't think many rock stars could write up as good of a explanation about what it is to surrender to a song live. I think he's surrendered a lot of his ego over the years and he's laying down piece by piece the armor that he's put on that he thinks he needs but he actually doesn't need and i feel like i mean he's getting older and maybe he sees his life he doesn't say this but he sees his life as like well i should be dead i mean he says it on he says on the lights of home he says he should be dead in the lyrics but in the book he doesn't say like he's living totally on borrowed time so it is kind of a, a, a gift that he's that he's got and maybe just surrendering to mortality as he goes on which is kind of a Sad note to end on, but I just, I just think it's a it's a it's a good book. I also
1: just like having the audio book. Um, and it is something that I'm I want to come back to and listen. You know, if I'm listening to a particular song or I, I will I'll re- I'll use it as a reference point. Hmm. Um, it is very enjoyable to listen to. Yep, it, it, it's it's some bits go faster than others. Yep, um, when. Bono was talking about the humanitarian stuff I, I started playing I don't even know if I did this how consciously I did this I started playing GTA San Andreas
0: how fitting And when <laughs> shooting people in the face as, as Bono was <laughs> talking about saving lives
1: <laughs> but when I was getting into U2 when um, How Did This Metal Atomic Bomb came out mm. that game was what I was playing so it is linked for me personally mm. with part of my U2 build up yeah, and I haven't obviously played that game in a very long time it's almost 20 years old but it's it was interesting for me to be playing that and listening to Bono tell his story it kind of just a cycle it, it felt like there was a kind of synergy there and like oh, okay this is where I need to be to listen to this hmm. because the last time I really cared about who these people were not just the music was when I was a teenager when I was first getting into the band yep yeah. And you're kind of obsessing over them. <laughs> Imagine obsessing over a band.
0: Yeah. It's not like you'd do forty episodes of a podcast about them.
1: It made me question who Bono is to me and who Bono is to him. And obviously one of those is more important. And who it, you are to Bono. No, it like I have this makeup of who I think Bono is and what he's meant to my life. He'd certainly educated I got into U two when I was like thirteen years old, so I was then being educated about the activism that he does and about uh, troubles in various parts of the world. Mm. So he he was a huge educational tool and musically that, educational as well. That shaped me. Mm. So listen, some some things in this book made uh, they they made me think. Okay, I've got that right. And other parts. I've misjudged who he is. Hmm. And I think far too often I put too much importance in those cool moments on stage, whether they're emotional or not. You know, like, I want to look like that. I want to do that. Hmm. that, And I really, I should be placing more importance or more people should be placing more importance is I want to do this I'll for have... my community.
0: Yeah, or have those kind of relationships that seem, I mean, it seems like he has really strong deep lasting loving relationships which yeah. is which is a nice thing to to be able to have so what are you going to do for your community then what have you been inspired to do i don't know you did karaoke for the pub the other day i did
1: and I do, and and they you looked at the book on the shelf and you thought what would buy well, i said i said <laughs> i would do that. i said i would do that and i said i want free drinks all night thinking i'd put a few oh, away How humanitarian but because you are that busy doing a karaoke night i only managed to drink 3 pints of guinness so oh, well. they effectively got Four hours of karaoke for... um, fifty. say It's about five or a pint these days. It's about £15. Pounds. Where's your parade? I know. Um, With my medal of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another thing that happened. They
0: got some medals. I didn't even know that until the other day. Uh, the pictures look nice. But again, I just, I just, it's something that I'm glad it's happening. But I have not really got much of an opinion on. That's got to be huge
1: take. for them. For a, an Irish band yeah. to uh, receive an American award. It shows you how important they have been to American music over, over the years. Yeah. I have a problem describing it as American music because I think it's Irish music. Yeah. But you know, they, they have been important to America and America has been important to them.
0: Well, I've I completely forgot just on that note about how um, Barack Obama used uh, city blinding lights so much on his, on his campaign and everything like that. Yeah. And just how, uh, well, it's also just, it's sort of bittersweet to be reminded about how magisterial and um, that's probably the wrong word, but how presidential and you know incredible Barack Obama seemed.
1: Old man Biden not doing it for you?
0: No, he's fine. But it just it's it's more the the whiplash of having um, that, that orange pig of a get who got in <laughs> after him. That's that's the problem. Uh,
1: review two is politically neutral. Don't buy those stupid non fungible cards of Trump. They sold out. Did they? They sold out and like. A few hours. How many did you buy? I I didn't. I did consider it because <laughs> I have. What? A, I had a feeling that they were going to become collectible.
0: Maybe for maybe for the wrong reasons. That's yeah. fair enough. Oh, another thing we were right about. Um, Bono's dad dancing. He brings that up at one point, and he says t- about him dancing and embarrassing his kids. He says sometimes uh, being a knob is sometimes the job of a dad. So I think we kind of got got that bit right. Anyway, at yeah. Least for Bono's dad dancing.
1: Well, I think that that feeds into like the the question what is bono to me is is he a rock star is he a father figure is he a brother we have always kind of treated him we genuinely treat bono and the rest of the band as friends of ours we've never met them but we feel like we have this relationship with with them where we can't freely take the piss out of them yeah. because we love them almost unconditionally we we love that band we've followed them for so long and they continue to mean something to us so to I feel we do have this right to take the piss because it's always, it is always meant with a smile and a nudge, yeah. and you know it, it is how me and Johnny talk. In fact, me and Johnny talk to each other much worse than that. <laughs> We're awful to each other, and we've been awful to each other for a very, very long time. It's unilateral, though. I would say <laughs> it, it I'm is, quite yeah. nice in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm much, I'm much nicer to everybody else apart <laughs> from my best friends. Well, yeah. I mean, I the question I suppose
0: would be after reading this, what is, what is Bono to me? I don't know what I've... it's difficult because people, once people know that this is your favorite, well, did brand... this book change your opinion? Yeah. But I mean, that was an odd year. Yes, it, it did. But I would say it's more like it's, it refined and augmented stuff that was already there. Like there was already a sculpture there, but now it's just a lot more in detail. Yeah. So, I wouldn't say it broke off any major limbs or smashed it and recreated it. Um, I get the sense that he he is very good at the things that... Like, at the start, he says he wanted to be really good at something. And as I said before, the finding the top-line melody in a room or a song or a political cause or a negotiation seems to be what he's very good at. He's a very good salesman. and he's He a comes good, from a long line of travelling sales... On his, his, mother on side. his mother's side. Oh, yeah. yeah, don't forget that. Um, yeah, so he's he's a good negotiator, and I think... That's what his life has been. It's about trying to trying to oh, sounds really corny, like bring people together. In that sense, it's it's hard though because on a purely musical level, would I have rather Bono have been with the band more and done more albums if
1: they were better I albums? I think Larry's maybe so. book would be the funniest. It'd be very short. I think Larry's very dry; doesn't say a lot, but when he does say something, mm. it it's usually quite funny.
0: Yeah, I think. um yeah, I just think it would be a few sentences.
1: I think Adam's autobiography would be odd.
0: He's doing a book. He's doing a um, documentary. Show, yeah, documentary. Yeah, documentary about the artwork of Francis Bacon, which I've just got a book on. So that look, that's as interesting to me in in a lot of ways, rather than okay, here's the the third world leader that Bono met in you know however many years. Yeah. In some respects, I think there'll be a lot of people reading this who are maybe interested in the celebrity aspect or just as a, oh, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting, who, and this is my greatest hope, that we'll, they will listen to the song clips that are on there and be brought into it. Because I can imagine, I know, actually, I don't need to imagine, there's loads of people who all they've heard of songs of experience is, oh, oh, oh and they've gone, oh, God, turn that off again. It's coming
1: on. Wrong song. Wrong album. No, uh, Jerry Moan. Yeah. Songs of yeah. Innocence. I said Innocence. He didn't. Right, well, anyway... Whatever. We're recording this, so I'll be proven right in the end.
0: Well, if I'm right, then English I'm ba- this English song.
1: bound? <laughs> it's worth a lot more than it used to be. So it's, it's As I edit the episode, <laughs> if, I,
0: if I'm right, if I'm right, I will keep this in, and if not... I'll, it's out. I, I, I'll, yeah, yeah. Or, I'll, or I'll edit it. Anyway, the point is, lots of people who like, who listen, the only thing they've heard of songs of innocence mm-hmm. is the, those first opening seconds of Joy Ramone because their phone connects and they add that thing on the i, they had the album on the itunes and then it comes on and they get annoyed and they turn it off if any of those people having listened to this book have been drawn in have listened to have now heard iris or a few other good songs and thought wow this is, this sounds really good i'll check out some of these albums and then they go on the same journey that we've gone through which is you know going from fire to joshua tree to this to that to the other and getting that expansive knowledge of a huge back catalogue of great music that's what I'm interested, really. Rather, yeah. I don't really care if people think Bono's the, a, a the knob or not. The live
1: version of Iris from um, the Innocence Tour. Yep, yeah, very good. Just, it's art using that screen. Sometimes they, they manage to do it. I, I, I much prefer the use of the screen in Iris than I do with um, Cedarwood Road, for example, although it's, you know, very... I
0: mean the more subtle
1: use of it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um. And... I'm, I'm, Eli playing Bono in the bedroom in Song for Someone. Yeah. I love love that. You said it right. Thank you. (laughs) Finally. Um, But yeah, that's something I I show to people. But yeah, there we go. Anyway, that was the book. That was the book. That was the book, yeah.
0: Um, We obviously have loads more opinions on it. But we did want to keep this succinct, and I think we've been rambling on enough.
1: Yeah. Um, so this is our first episode in quite some time, because we didn't want to do a podcast anymore. Well, anyway, so... um <laughs> I don't even know who that's... A, who <laughs> is that know. a comment about? Is that I don't us? know. I think it's just us going and complain. I feel like no one believes um, our... And we're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore because it takes so much time. But it does take time. It does take a lot of it, time to taking, edit. It's taken about three weeks to manage to get in a, in a room together. Um, so we should have just booked a hotel last time. <laughs> but let's talk about what's been happening in the U2-verse the last year and a bit. I mean,
0: do we need to? We sort of did before, didn't we? There's,
1: I don't think there's, there's, a not, there's a lot gone on.
0: There's a lot of small things, but nothing yeah. major, I would say. There's that residency about with the whole Las Vegas thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's supposed to be summer, autumn, and then new album ne- this time next year, which should be November, December. That's what I've been reading anyway. Um, updates, which I'm using from
0: U2songs.com, which is a good, good website. Really love it. Yep. Um, there's a busking album, apparently it's meant to be coming out, which from which we heard the version of Running to Stand Still. Next year, uh, around about March, as I said before, Songs of Surrender, those 40 tracks, um, which I assume some will be fantastic reworkings and some will be um, disturbing turkeys. Late, Late next year, 2023, is meant to be the new album, which might be called Songs of Ascent, might not be called that. Longest time between albums now as well. Oh, that's depressing um, then there's the residency in Las Vegas and then possibly a stadium tour in 24 I mean look if all that stuff comes true then I'm excited about it but I think I've learned enough I've been a fan long enough to learn to take every single piece of U2 news with a pinch or, well, or a bag of salt yeah a, yeah. a truckload of salt um, so I'm just interested in stuff when it actually happens I'm I'm, I'm you know obviously intrigued by rumours but I don't really set much stock by them Um we're not that interested in every single little thing that that happens, really. In the, I think it's more the the document of the major events, you know, like albums and live tours and things like that. I was trying to look up what's going on with the. Isn't Joshua there a 3D. YouTube
1: biopic in the works for Netflix? I, again,
0: have, I, have I dreamt that up? I heard rumors about it, but I've been stung with this, like with the Marx Brothers, because there's been a Marx Brothers biopic planned for ages and ages, and that seems to never be coming out. Anybody you'd like to play Bono? Uh in the Marks Brothers film. How would that work? I don't know. I'd have to get it in there somewhere. <laughs> um, I can't think of anyone at the moment. The person I would have picked if he'd done it a while ago and who's now probably, I mean, he wouldn't work for a young one. If you're going to get him around about 40-ish, then Andrew Lincoln, I think, from The Walking Dead would be a very good Bono. Right. No one seems to believe this, but imagine big hair, sunglasses. I think he's got the right face shape for it. But um... I'll mock it up for on Facebook and you can like,
1: not Facebook, Photoshop. wonderful and you can uh, just carry it around in your wallet show it to people yeah
0: this is what i think it would look like yeah and say sir could you please stop talking to me nicely call me sir um i don't really have (laughs) yeah i don't have much more to say the the sing song some people seem to love did you have much of an opinion on that the sing song the song from sing to
1: oh god no
0: i didn't even i didn't even entertain it i mean you can can you remember how it goes no. Your song saved my life or something like oh, that. Oh
1: god, yeah. <laughs>
0: so you didn't like it then very much. I just didn't care. I just That was the that was a thing what, just... Was it just Bono or was it you too? I think it was just Bono. I don't know. It had It's like someone throwing velcro at I don't uh, I don't uh, think uh, I'm the demographic for a cartoon lion. Well, some people liked it and I, and I don't want to do down their their appreciation of it. If you like something, that's great. You've you've enjoyed something that I haven't. But um I just I didn't understand the real appeal to it. It just felt very schmaltzy, kind of... No, Edge was on it as well, definitely, because I remember that he does harmonies. It felt very schmaltzy. What animal was he? I know, he wasn't in the film. He wasn't like a a, a fun vulture or something like that, or a, a wacky wombat or something. I see him being a snake.
1: That's not very nice. No, but your snake would look good in a in a bob hat. In a beanie? Yeah. Have you tried putting a beanie on a snake? Not recently. <laughs> um...
0: I mean, t- but when it got to the point where I was seeing people posting pictures of, you know, the, um, whatever the name is, Gruff McGrew or Rory Mc- McLion face.
1: Oh, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. So yeah. People must
0: be getting very annoyed at this. But if you've stayed to listen this long, tough. Um, yeah, the posting know the McDonald's figure of, of him, you know, and saying, oh, I just went to try and get one, but only got this one. I'll try again. Clay Calloway. Them. Clay Calloway. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it might be good, it might be an absolute tear jerk of a, of a film, but um, if it takes Bono out of the studio or potential ideas for studio stuff, it's like the Spider-Man musical, it might just be an interesting curio but <laughs> it's it's not that great, oh well yeah, well there we go we did put out a little Twitter call to say that we were getting banned we were banned? Getting... <laughs> we are getting the van slash duo back together uh andy o'keefe hope i'm saying that right says glad to hear you're back listen to all your podcasts which i'm, I'm so sorry andy <laughs> but can't wait to hear your next one was in the london palladium and loved the show bit confused about what the news is with larry what do you two think um I assume he means us so yeah we talked about this um quite a lot at the start i suppose we've probably answered andy's question there hope larry gets better as soon as possible i would rather them not tour with him and i'd rather them let him get get well than use a if it came down to it tyler and you saying right you either get to see them live without larry or they don't do something live is it free no never oh, really i've got to buy a ticket yes
1: um i can't uh, look it's nice to see the all four of them together mm. but i wouldn't feel shortchanged. I, I went to see... And it is different, because I'm not as into The Killers. But I've seen The Killers live a couple of times with two people that aren't The Killers. Oh, my God. Um, And it's like, I, I don't care. The song's still saying the same. Mm. If you two are going to have to go down that route with a different drummer, they will make sure he is as good as Larry Mullen. I
0: just think you won't get the same... Sound, I think that, and I'm not trying to pick a fight here. I think the person you could replace easiest that would make least of a difference would be Adam. Bono.
1: Oh, Adam. All oh,
0: right. Adam <laughs> would definitely make the most. <laughs> um, uh, Lewis or uh, yeah, Louise Tucker says, Best podcast out there. Oh, stop. Um, and great to see Does you. Is it
1: just you two podcasts or best you two uh, best podcast? I mean, that's a good example of them all. Of what makes us the best? Yeah, your, yeah. your
0: addiction there. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't have an addiction.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and good humor. So uh, yeah, good to see you back. Yeah, um, I mean we're, we're not we're not back on the scene doing a regular thing. Uh, do you ever think we will see the big stadium tours back again, or will it only be arenas from here on in? Interesting question. I, I think cool.
1: they, they seem to be going one for one at the minute. But this this
0: whole residency thing in this orb that they've got, we've not really talked about this. You know what the stadium, this new energy sphere, yeah, the sphere, what it's meant to. Be. I mean, I guess the idea is you've seen you two with the screen reinforcement a la PopMart, a la 360 to a certain extent, and all the other stuff they've done that have required big screens. Are they going to be able to use that as a wrap around, almost like going from watching a film to watching a film in virtual reality, to be able to look mm. 360 around you, properly 360, and it all be reinforced? This could be the genuine you know foot not footnote full stop on this that that journey of you two live it could be one of the most innovative and amazingly transformative live performances ever if they if they get that sphere idea right or it could just be a big pile of fatty horse shit i, I don't know
1: and the music will be good anyway so
0: it it will be yeah. but i mean my prediction by the way is i think it's going to be you know i have got the like you know the willie williams um u two live book you know um it's not just willie williams but he's obviously a big part of it u two show u two show that's it all of that stuff there i think they'll they'll i think it's gonna be something that's gonna be as innovative and as amazing as the three sixty was when it first appeared when that claw first came down and people who even didn't like u two said wow look at that
1: oh I'm happy for you to be proved right okay um <laughs> Uh,
0: js says crazy how many times the band could have failed early on yeah i thought that as well i mean it's it's very you need a massive amount of self-belief talent and a huge amount of luck to to get into
1: a band and be successful Uh, paul McGuinness, you know need someone like paul McGuinness in your corner and it, it sounds like he is he's not unsung but he's he's the member of the entourage that deserves more acclaim yeah, than he gets. I
0: think I came out of that thinking Paul McGuinness is very shrewd and he did a very good job with this.
1: Certainly seems, sounds like he's got the right reputation in the business mm. of being someone who looks after his clients and doesn't just look after his own bank balance.
0: Yeah. And a well-stocked fridge if you come around with some bolognese and fancy just a little, little bit of parmesan on top. Um Joe Maxwell says, It would be great to hear some opinions on the book by Real U2 fans. I'm not quite I've not quite finished yet on audio, but I'm a bit disappointed on the content on the band. But I have to say the audio layout is the best I've listened to. Um I I could have I could always take more stories about the early band, you know. I could always have taken more stories about that. Um the audio production is fantastic and maybe Joe by the end of it you'll think it levels itself out. But um considering the life he's had, he does squeeze it into quite a short amount of pages.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think this is an absolutely Great audiobook. He's really got the most out of the medium. Um I've I've my my listening time on Audible is over six months. So that's how many audiobooks I listen to. Mm. And this does feel like something other. Mm. Um not to Something other. What is it That's uh, crumbs. So, crumbs from crumbs. Crumbs. Oh I love crumbs. You hate crumbs. I hate the title, but I like the song. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic audiobook. I'd do recommend anybody to download it.
0: And that's exactly what Bernard said on um, Bernard on Twitter. I can recommend listening to the audiobook. Um yeah, and that's that's what I said before. You've you've got to I think you've got to listen to the audiobook if you're going to if you're going to get the full experience out of it. Uh, the last thing then is Steve Lester saying, "Excellent news. Um Oh, been too long, fellas. You dreamed it all up again, I hope." I I think you can say
1: (laughs) we've not. (laughs) Same old uh, sausages, just a different day. Yeah, but who doesn't like sausages? Especially around Christmas. Our friend Vinny loves sausages, doesn't he? He he does, yes. Right, so um, is that it? Are we done?
0: I don't feel like we've got anything else to say apart from we don't know when we're going to be back anytime soon. When stuff happens, maybe um, we'll come back and we'll comment on it. Or maybe we'll just disappear altogether at some point who knows yeah. i'm sure any of you long-time listeners are fed up with and have had enough time to listen through to the back catalogue enough
1: yeah well uh this is kind of a festive special um although not really because so it's the first time we've mentioned so what, what have you Christmas. got me
0: in that in that bag have you got some prezzies in the bag please. i haven't i do know what i want
1: to get you um I was joking, you know, you're considering me. you're all coming around my house on Friday, mm. I don't want to get you something and then have to get everybody else something. So I think you're going to have to miss out, or else because I'm being cheap. And there's a there's a financial crisis <laughs> at the minute. Um, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for coming to listen to us again. And um, I hope wherever you are in the world, uh, you manage to find some joy over the next um, mm. the next few months. I hope wherever you are, the cost of living crisis isn't too harsh on you. Mm and yeah over Christmas I hope you managed to drink something a little bit cheerful if that's your thing yep but uh, for myself or Johnny I guess this proves if there's something to w- worth talking about we'll talk about it yep so it's easy yeah see you in a bit Thank you for listening to Review 2, the U2 podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 to you. For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler. It's weird that he got through the whole book without wishing Keanu Reeves dead.
0: Hmm...